Hi, everybody. Oh, I've eaten so much pie. Too much pie, but there's still pie left, so I'm going to go have pie for breakfast in a bit. Ugh. And November's basically over. In less a week, it's December time. Who can believe it? Certainly not me. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm going to let the theme song take it away from here. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, Megan's Choice, currently covering Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. In this reading, we will cover Chapter 25, Monsters, Chapter 26, The Feather, Chapter 27, Fabrications to Distract, and Chapter 28, Boots. Boots. Emily, can I ask your first impressions of these chapters? I loved Kaladin the horse girl. I loved him. See, and I love Moash the horse girl. (laughs) What a weirdo. Just kidding. If anyone's the horse girl, it's Adolin. But in this metaphor, Kaladin's the horse. (laughs) Because they really hate each other at first. They have to learn to trust each other. They have to learn and we'll stop that metaphor there (laughs) uh emily do you want to hear something fun yes always boots was the first chapter i heard from words of radiance oh because at the midnight release the scene where shallan takes the boots is the scene that brandon read to the crowd i love that and so every time i hear it i hear brandon going i am offended That's got to be so fun for an author to be able to share such a just joyful, fun. I know. You normally don't get laugh tracks when you're an author. (laughs) You just have to look at unhinged Tumblr posts. (laughs) Which, welcome back, naughty Tumblr. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. It's like the preamble to maybe Tumblr will have the bits again. The bits. The bits. The bits. <laughs> uh, Emily, let's let's first talk about monsters. What are the monsters? So, I was all set for another, like, chasm fiend fight, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we had in book one, because, you know, that is literally, quite literally, a monster. No, the monsters are horses, and <laughs> Kaladin is the one who is afraid. <laughs> It's nice to have a really light-hearted Kaladin chapter with, like, Because no... we don't get them! Yeah. I can't... Evelyn, you were laughing about the, what do you want me to do, sir? Get on that horse. <laughs> you want me to do what? And it just talks about... I mean, okay, have any of you stood next to a horse? Yes. I know you have. Like, we have. But I'm just saying, you don't expect them to be so big. You just think, oh, it's a horse. It's an animal-sized animal. But horses, and especially cows, are giant animals. And you stand next to them and you realize, luckily this horse isn't a carnivore because... Carnivores. Carnivores. (laughs) Because they could eat me because they're just... 
they're giant, and I can totally, totally uh, empathize with Kaladin. Of he's never had to worry about this. The only horses he's ever come into contact with are when there's someone on the horse's back trying to kill him, and the horse is a part of that murder team. Everyone read The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, a book about carnivorous horses. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, Evely, when when was the last time you rode a horse? Probably 10 plus years ago. Probably 15 plus years ago. (laughs) Mine was in 2015. It was fun. I think I was pretty good at it. What were you I let doing? the horse not feel my fear. Oh, I <laughs> I went with some friends to visit uh, my friend's mom's ranch down in Texas for a couple weeks. I milked goats and a cow. <gasps> That's fun. And I was very good at it. And I rode a horse one day. And it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I was very afraid, but I was like, don't let the horse feel your fear. And I think it went great. <laughs> <laughs> You're still here. I'm still here. And I would get back on a horse again. <laughs> Growing up. Mm-hmm. I was definitely a horse girl. Mm-hmm. All I wanted out of life was a Palomino. Aww. That is what that is like. What I breathed and lived and dreamed about. It didn't happen. I still have a really good life, but I just remember mm-hmm. reading this chapter. It just really took me back to be like, "Wow, Emily, you were obsessed with this." I was a wolf girl. <laughs> oh. Wanted a wolf, like a. Like a Pet regular wolf. size wolf, like one or like a regular size wolves are huge. That's what I'm saying. Like I didn't know if you wanted like a puppy wolf or like a, a big dog. A big dog. Got it. Got it. Uh, so Emily, horses generally to be seen everywhere in a fantasy book mm-hmm. are rare out here in Alethkar. Yeah, Kaladin actually makes note of that. Where he's just like, he's he's listing all the weird things he finds about horses and just how off-putting they all are. And he says uh, he didn't trust, like, he doesn't trust them because horses, there's something too smart, too intelligent about them. And he's like, give me a chull any day. Chulls are slow and docile. I would ride a chull, no hesitation. But instead, Dalinar is the one who is... Not making them do it, but kind of making them learn how to do it. Because in the previous chapter, when there was the assassination scare, uh, it took Kaladin a good long while to run all the way to where he needed to be. And Dalinar's reasoning is, you could get there way faster. You just need to know how to do this. It's a skill that I need my guards to know how to do. Speaking of assassination scare, Kaladin's doing some investigation checks throughout the chapter. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, I missed that. So I'm not going, I'm not going perfectly in a row there. That's okay. Uh, but first, before we get to that, uh, tell us about the stable master, Emily. Her name is Yannet, and I love her. She seems, she's, okay, how do I explain, how do I explain Yannet? Uh, <laughs> she seems young ish but she seems like a very old soul she seems like someone who would be on tiktok knitting her own sweaters and running her own farm and not putting up with anybody's anybody's anything i mean she's probably young enough to have dated adeline colette we find that out <laughs> that she definitely did um i love her she is so over 
teaching these stupid people about how to ride a horse. And she gives them like a whole huge presentation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not just step one, get on the horse. It's step one, sit down and listen to me as I explain to you all about these noble creatures and everything that you have to know before you even think about looking in the direction of my horses. So it's pretty surprising to Kaladin that a woman would be the head of the stables. But what excuse does Yennet give for the fact that it's okay for her to be stable master? That uh, horseback riding isn't mentioned in arts and majesty. And how, uh, because they weren't mentioned in there, that they it hasn't been declared either a masculine or a feminine thing. And so both men and women can do this and... They can do it. Do you know what this reminds me of? What? So in the uh, LDS church, there's a health code called the Word of Wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it very specifically says tea and coffee are not for the belly or for the body. Right. And so you have modern people being like, well, it probably means caffeine. And other people are like, well, it didn't explicitly mention caffeine. <laughs> um, and, and that feels like people are like, okay, but horse mastering seems like it would be more of a masculine thing and yet it's like well it didn't specifically (laughs) say um i fell in love with yenit the minute adel well before that um i've loved her from the very beginning that's my snap judgment you loved yenit from yenit one (laughs) uh adelin shows up on his reshadium yes period not reshadium horse it's just a reshadium and he's like, oh, Yenna, you look fetching. Is that a new dress? And she picks up a rock and throws it at him. And then he's trying to be like, hey. And then she throws it at him again. Like, this is yeah. not her being flirtatious. This is her. Get out of my sight. Get out of my sight. <laughs> so the bridgemen get on horses to varying shades of success. Mm-hmm. Moash for us, all excited as he is to get on the horse, like wasn't really listening and he's not very good at it. And he's he dropped like, his reins. Can I just bop it on the head like a chull? And yet it, I imagining her death glare being like, if you bop my horse, I will end your life. <laughs> uh, but Kaladin gets on, Kaladin gets on a horse and then who starts making fun of Kaladin's Adeline horse adventures? comes up and is just being terrible. But... You're okay if Adolin's mean to our protagonist. Because it's it's friendly sibling rivalry. I don't think it's friendly at this point. It's true. Maybe before we get to that, you want did you want to talk about when oh, no, no, no. We Kaladin's can... investigation? No, 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 no. Um, so yeah, Adolin shows up and he is basically saying like, the horse you have now, yeah, perfectly suited for training children. Like, he's insulting Kaladin to his face. Not even very subtly at all. Just just so mean. And (laughs) this part, I couldn't believe this happened. I couldn't believe this happened in this chapter. Some boys ages 20 to 23, (laughs) you don't believe that this is what would have resulted. I think because, okay, so we'll give you the quick overarching thing. Adolin's like, well, if you want to challenge, you should try, you know, Dreamstorm over Dreamstorm. there. Dreamstorm. <laughs> what? The best name for anything ever. Like, 
that's such a horse girl OC name. <laughs> it really is. Oh, Dreamstorm. No one's been able to ride Dreamstorm. <laughs> and so Gallatin goes to Yenet and is like, I think I could. And she's like, no. No, you... No, absolutely like, not. She's got a she's got a saddle on, so she can get used to one. So I was hearing the song "Get Off of My Back" from the 2004 movie <laughs> Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, in my head during the sequence. So I will say, up until up until a certain point, I was just like, "This is too much. This is too much." Kaladin, this is the dumbest scene I've ever seen. Oh. Because I'm just like, why are you letting Adolin get under your skin? That's why I was upset. Not that it was poorly written. Uh-huh. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful chapter. But I'm just like, come on, Adolin. I have, okay, I have very little patience for characters who do things that I am clearly like, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like, can't you think things through? And I'm just like, you're just letting Adolin get under your skin and make you do all sorts of dumb, crazy antics. But Kaladin explains to Syl, because she's asking, like, are you doing this because of Adolin? And he says, no, it's because I'm afraid of these things. And I'm like, that's such a Kaladin thing to do, where he's just like, I can't be afraid of it. I have to overcome this. I have to do it. And that's when I was a little bit more like, okay. And, and... Adolin's just like, wait, what are you doing? No, I didn't actually mean, no. Adolin is like, no, if you get hurt, dad will get mad at me. (laughs) And I love, okay, so we've talked about Brandon Sanderson's rules of magic. Uh That we understand how things work and that gives us. um, Brandon Sanderson's law of magic number one. Your ability to solve a problem with your magic is directly inverse to how well your audience understands said magic. Mm-hmm. So understanding the rules of magic, we understand what the limitations are. We understand that you can do really cool things with it. And so Kaladin, I'm going to say cheats a little bit. <laughs> and he uses Stormlight to stick himself to Dreamstorm's saddle. And it's a really fun, it's a really fun thing that he's just getting like whipped around. If just... he did not have Stormlight in his body, I think his neck would have snapped. Yeah. But at one point, the stormlight in the saddle runs out. Oopsie. Oopsie. And the horse was waiting for it. Yeah. Like, it's a smart horse. And I loved I loved that that is what threw him, that he can't just pretend to be this cool person all the time. I love that Adolin doesn't get to be super cool all the time. Like, it keeps him humble. And it just makes me like him more. And I feel like that's a really good... Um, a really good way to keep your audience connected to your main characters because if they come across as perfect and wonderful and can do no wrong, that can be fun to read about. I'm talking about like Superman, you know, stuff like that. But you give them any sort of flaw and you're just like, okay, I can I can relate to this. So it's Kaladin's flaw. Pride. Okay. Yeah, hubris. So Dalinar gets after him for it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yep, so the horse throws him off and Calvin says, you monster. <laughs> Chapter title. <laughs> uh, so Dalinar specifically wants the Bridgman to learn about horse riding because he wants them to take horses on 
patrol around the camp. Which Yenna is like, no! Yeah, she's like, don't take my baby! And Salinor's like, the point of the horses is to use them. We will send so many extra men to guard the horses. Um, but Dalinar is asking Kaladin about his uh, poorly thought through writing Dreamstorm plan. And Kaladin's like, they're, you know... It's another weapon of war, and I got to train to use it so I can be as comfortable with that as I am with my weapons. And Dalinar's like, interesting comparison as when you train soldiers, you use dull-sided weapons first. <laughs> uh, but Kaladin did not tattle on Adolin. Nope. Nope. And Adolin notices and says, does he say thank you or does he just say you didn't write me He out? says thanks, Adolin said grudgingly. He, he, he. Um, although, listen, it could be argued that I still feel like Adolin could have got out of that because Kaladin didn't have to rise to the bait. Yeah. You know, like if, if he had been like, well, Adolin teased me until I couldn't not do it anymore. But Dalinar, has been pointed out, does hold his sons to a higher standard than he That's holds true. everyone else. That's true, which is not fair, but whatever. Plus, I think if you double the horse thing with if anyone told Dalinar how Adolin behaved at the training ground. Oh, yeah. Strike two. Hmm, I wonder what strike three could be. I don't know. We'll find out, though. So Kaladin's multitasking. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is he learning how to ride horses, he is still doing his detective work. Yep. And what are some of the things that he does to detect he talks to some of the uh, he talks to some of the men who are there, specifically Natom. Mm-hmm. Natom. Let's say Natom. Natom about specific. He wants to find out more about the balcony. And listen, full disclosure here. I think this is stupid the way that they are trying to cast blame on Moash. Okay. But it makes total sense. It does make sense. It makes complete sense. But I'm just like, oh, come on. This is a red herring. Uh, why could Moash not have been the one to do it? So give me... So so right now, what, what evidence is pointing to Moash? That uh, Moash went out to the balcony at a time that he was not on duty. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was the balcony cut with? A shard blade. And what does Moash not have? Well, we don't think he has a shard blade. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a shard blade. I feel like he would have used it by this point because he is very reactive to things. Mm -hmm. And Kaladin's always the one that is like, chill out, dude. Yeah. And legend does state that having a shard blade does, like, automatically give you light eyes. Mm -hmm. Moash still has dark eyes. Yep. Um... So, so but, you think Moash is going to be like, listen, we just watched a couple episodes of Elementary, <laughs> and I called a murderer, listen, we watched two episodes, and I got one murderer right and one murderer wrong. <laughs> and it was very funny, because this pregnant lady just shows up, and I'm like, she did it! And Emily's like, a pregnant lady couldn't do it. I'm like, fine, the baby did it! <laughs> I guess the pregnant lady wasn't the final murderer, but she was one of the murderers. She attempts. was an attempted murderess. Okay, so Amaram shows up within visual range. Distance, yeah, visual range. <laughs> Kaladin starts visibly steaming. Yeah, yeah. He's 
he thought the hatred buried deeper than that. Like, he's surprised at how, like, visceral the reaction is. Uh I don't... I'm not surprised. Like... Yeah, yeah. You think about... We know, you know, how terrible things went with Amaram. Yeah. But, like, Kaladin, I feel, prides himself on being able to, like, be a professional soldier. Like, he's... Mm -hmm. He prides himself on his... Mysterious aloofness. Yeah, I was about to say decor, but that's not it. That's his presentation or whatever. Presentation! Yeah. Before we get too far, I would like to shine a little spotlight on the bit where Syl herself turns horse-shaped. <laughs> that was so cute. So yeah, she she clearly chooses to be girl-shaped most of the time. Mm-hmm. She could be anything. And I think it would have been very funny if Kaladin just has a little talking horse for a while. <laughs> so... One more thing I want to ask you about. So Kaladin's first uh, horse that he gets on, not Dreamstorm, but the other one. How is that horse eating? Oh, I thought this was so fascinating because Kaladin has talked about how he doesn't trust the horses because they're too smart for their own good. And at first, he's on the horse and he's trying to get it to go. And the dumb horse isn't doing anything except licking the rocks. Which initial knee-jerk reaction is like, what a dumb horse. What a, what a dumb, stupid animal. But you realize that the horse is licking the rocks, getting them wet so that the rocks think it has recently rained and it's okay to, like, sprout up from the ground, and then the horse can eat them. Like, it's a smart animal. Yeah. Uh, her name is Spray. I think it's a she. Yeah, her name is Spray. Do you know where horses come from? No, you won't tell me. I No, asked. I won't tell you where Rishadium comes from. Oh. I don't, are they an import, like chickens? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't they know. come from the same place as chickens. They come from Shin? Yeah. All the normal animals All come from All the normal Shin. animals come from Shin. <laughs> Perfect. I want to go to there. Shinovar. They have normal grass there mm-hmm. and normal birds mm-hmm. and normal horses. And murderers. And normal murderers. <laughs> You're completely run-of-the-mill assassins. So, uh, Monsters is a fun chapter. It's a it's, fun it's nice, chapter. It's nice, it's lighthearted, and uh, we get a little more evidence into our crime, so, like, many uh, procedurals, you're like, okay, well, like, the first obvious suspect that you bring in is usually, like, not the, not the final. Yeah. Murder. Except for sometimes. Except for sometimes. Who's the most famous guest actor in this book? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Vasher. Vasher's the murderer. <laughs> the murderer. Uh, let's jump one over to the next chapter. Let's talk about Feather. Perfect. It is called The Feather. Sorry. The Feather. <laughs> and uh, who's our POV? It's Adelaide. It's Adelaide. In the heat of the moment. <laughs> Heat of the moment. But yeah, they're in the middle of a Parshendi battle. And he is... He's at, like, his peak. Just, yeah. like, running bodies through left and right with his friend. <laughs> and I love that they're, like, chatting through the whole thing. Like, this is just, like, a promenade, a mm-hmm. stroll down the street or whatever. And it's just a fun way to, again, emphasize the Alethi way of war doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a Colin battle. No. But Adolin and Renarin are both here to lend a hand. Well, Adolin's mostly mm-hmm. here to lend a hand. Why is Renarin here today? 
to observe? Is yeah. that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's all dressed up in his shard plate and everything and heavily guarded. Yeah. Like, very heavily guarded. Um, so, as Adolin and uh, Yakimov are doing a... They're climbing towers and they're doing goofs and they're, like, basically bowling for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Uh, somebody stops... Adolin on the field. Who does he see fighting in sharp play? Wait, on the other side? you are so far ahead of so many things. I, then you talk. <laughs> I just want to say, they get there to the chrysalis and they realize that it's already been, it's already been plundered, and he's mad about that. Yep. Because what else is there, but you know, the plundering of a chrysalis. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thrill plays an interesting role in this chapter. Does it? Uh, yeah, Adolin has to, like, overcome it a couple times. When when Eshenai and he are speaking, mm-hmm. isn't the thrill just, like, telling him to attack? Isn't he feeling like... May I see the book? Maybe I'm talking about It doesn't bite me, but, like, I feel like that's the normal reaction to seeing an enemy shard bearer. Mm, sorry, it's it's just it's just after... Oh, okay. That bit. Read that bit. Fight. He was here to fight. Like, something's urging him to go after the shard bearer that yeah. their conversation is over by that point. But um, you're right. You're very, you're very right. Tell us about the shard bearer. Uh, he recognizes the shard bearer, and he kind of figures out that it's female. He's pretty sure she's female. Yeah. Like, she, he's she pretty sure, and then not sure, and then maybe sure. But... Uh, she knows the part, the Parshendi, we're going to call him Parshendi just because that's what Adolin is, Adolin is using, saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Parshendi knows that this is Adolin Kalin and he asks where, or the shard bear asks where Adolin's father is. And, uh, he figures out finally it could be a female. Um, and Adolin is like, you want to talk to my dad? dad but you guys historically have refused every single person that's come to like try and speak with you and she says that was a long time ago time does change and Adolin's like okay how how do we know and she's like we'll send a messenger thanks bye please do not kill the messenger yes do not kill the one who comes like that has okay let's take a minute and think about this for a second how absolutely bizarre is this where Adolin has grown up? I mean, he's, he's what, early 20s? Yeah. He spent most of his probably formulative teenage years and early adult life being told that the war and revenge and everything is super important. And now all of a sudden, a Parshendi has come to him, completely turned everything upside down and on his head. Uh-huh. Like... I feel like the Alethi are not good with change. <laughs> They're like me. <laughs> I think you're right. So, But uh, Adolin does listen, and he says that he will pass the stuff along. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the rock formation that Adolin is ascending. He describes okay. it a bit. Okay. Now you describe it a bit. <laughs> now you say something funny. The one that he climbs up? Yeah. It's it's something about three tiers. Mm-hmm. And something 
The top tier wasn't well populated. The more percent were flooding the incline. Good to help you out. Thank you. So there is this giant plateau that is tiered like cake. Okay. And it seemed to have been split perfectly in half. Okay. And there's even like... Is that going to be important later on in the story? Not exactly, but (laughs) this is a very strange formation Mm -hmm. for a plateau. It's just worth noting, is all. That was it? I said it was worth noting! Gosh! That was it? (laughs) (laughs) You just like stopped the whole record. Because we passed it. (laughs) You don't know what's important or not. I know. That's why I was waiting for, like, some big reveal. <laughs> this is a dot, okay? <laughs> and, oh, my gosh. That's, the bottom of that is where the Rishadium come from. The prophecy states, look for a cake-shaped plateau split in twain. And that's where you find the Rishadium. And that's where Seth is. <laughs> and oh my gosh, look, it's Gavilar's Sphere of Darkness. I can't believe the man, whoever tried to kill the king is down there too. It's so it's literally the most important thing in the book. What? Kaladin's parents? How long have you been on the Shattered Plains? <laughs> I'm well, I hope they can find you a doctor at the base of this all-important plateau. Gosh, listen, I just, when you're driving in a car and someone says, let's stop for a second, I want to take a picture of that. It's not like the destination you're trying to get to. It's about the journey, Emily. Come on. so much fun of me. Something changed. <laughs> Something important. Oh goodness! Oh, can you read the epigraph? <laughs> you yes, we forgot to do it for the I first. I know. But read read this particular epigraph. Okay. They blame our people for the loss of that land. The city that once covered it did range the eastern strand. The power made known in the tomes of our clan, our gods were not who shattered these plains. Ooh, from the listener song of wars, 55th stanza. So, what was on this land before it was shattered? A city. Is this Eurythiru? Could be. Could be. And the dregs of it are... Although, Yasna was, like, very sure. She's like, Eurythiru is not in Natanaton. Well, she might be wrong. Well, she's dead. She's not. Can you read? Um, I know we did skip it. Can you read the epigraph to monsters? Yeah. It says, smoke formed for hiding and slipping between men, a form of power like human surges. Bring it round again, though crafted of gods, it was by unmade hand, leaves its force to be but one of foe or friend. From the listener's song of history's 127th stanza. So we talked. surges. Well, because we talked about one earlier than this. But this almost feels like smoke form would be like a spy form. Like. This sounds like uh, a Dungeons and Dragons skill. Yes, it does. Oh, you guys, being a rogue with shadow step is just the best. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, human surges. Which is what Kaladin is? 
Surge binding. Surge is, binding. Is the magic that radiants have. Okay. So, All radiants, not just the yeah, one that yeah. Kaladin serves. So, like, serves. the okay. different skills. So, like, Kaladin's a surge binder, and he's a wind runner, mm-hmm. and so he does, you know, we've seen, like, gravity stuff and sticking stuff together. But yeah. Shallan has the surge of light weaving. Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, different skills. But according to this, uh, the listeners do not have access to surges. Got but it. they have forms that are similar. So similar. Maybe, maybe they have a maybe they have a windrunner form. So would you call this a pale imitation or would you call it like them adapting to their circumstances in order to fight off the other which came first, the radiance or the forms? I don't know. That's probably never find out. Okay. Uh, but let's jump back to the feather epigraph. Okay. I so, didn't read it very well. I apologize. It was a little choppy, but... So, I pointed out an oddly unnaturally shaped plateau... A cake plateau. ...that got broken in half. And before <laughs> the planes got broken, it was a... Never mind. A I'm field? I... <laughs> Before it got broken, what did the epigraph say? There was a city. <laughs> Before a it got city broken, was there was built a in a field. field? There, there was. Okay. Listen, it's all right. Don't so worry about it. Sorry. You're lucky. You're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice of you. <clears throat> But uh, Adolin goes, after he's talked to, we know it's Eshenai. What? <laughs> I'm just imagining listeners, our listeners being like, you give too much away. And I'm like, I really don't. <laughs> like, like, she has to work so she, hard. She tries so hard. I am unappreciated by my co-host. <laughs> That's what makes this so fun. You're ruining the surprise. I'm not. <laughs> She's going to be so surprised. <laughs> this is fancy black. Fancy black. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was describing Hoyt as he is in Warfare. <laughs> Remember how long it took you to recognize Vasher? <laughs> My brain was like, I have to switch books now. Like, I have to, like, go and, like, pull all this other information out. But you recognize the phrase, Warbreaker. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know Vasher? I I don't. I just can't tell you where I know him from. Now you know. Now I know. I was trying to think if it was, like, someone we met, like, on the boat with, like, a uh, one-name throwaway line back in, you know, book one that Shalon meets when she first blows into... It's Caps' older brother! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you want to talk about? The siblings. Like, we're siblings. We are siblings. Adolin goes to talk to Renarin, and it turns out that Renarin had gone to charge in and fight, but had frozen... And Adolin's like, oh, it was one of his fits. Like, I'll go talk to him. Like, I'll make him, you know, kind of cheer him up or whatever. Uh, did Renarin, did Adolin, 
Give me the book. <laughs> Are you going to give me, give something away? Well, I'm going to make sure I don't spoil it. Okay, yeah. So, Renarin was charging in to help. He, like, summoned his shard blade and everything because Adolin won him a shard blade in mm-hmm. his duel. Yeah. And then he just froze there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, did I did I jump ahead? Because no, 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 you didn't. No, because we will. We'll talk about, we'll talk more about Yakimov. Okay. <laughs> Yak ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, but Renarin says that he didn't freeze because of his condition. He's like, I froze because I was a coward. I was a coward. And Adolin is such a great sibling because he's like, no, remember, what? I'm the Adolin. (laughs) And you didn't, well, your brain froze. But I was like, it's okay. You didn't remember the phrase Warbreaker from the book Warbreaker. <laughs> Sorry. I was laughing at you, so I guess that makes me a bad <laughs> And he, he's, Adolin's trying to make him feel better. He's like, remember when you were going to charge in during the Chasm Fiend? Like, he doesn't believe his brother is a coward. Mm-hmm. I think he's genuinely trying to, like, give him a boost and be like, no, remember this, remember this, like being a good supportive brother. And he notices that Renarin doesn't have his glasses on. Can't see without his glasses. Why did Renarin, why did Renarin take his glasses off? Um, because Adolin thinks he's trying to act like he doesn't need them. Because from what I understand, wearing spectacles in this setting is very unusual. Like not many people have to do that. And listen, I've worn... Are you okay? Did you prick your finger? <laughs> I did. I I have a little quiet activity here so my hands can be occupied and my brain can be focused. And I stabbed myself with my embroidery needle. <laughs> no blood, though. It's fine. That's good. So I've worn glasses since I was in elementary school, like second or third grade. And it was only last year that I ended up finally getting... LASIK. And it's been such a habit for me that at night, you know, sometimes, this is a almost two years later, sometimes I will go to take my contacts out and freak out because I've lost one in my eyeball. <laughs> like it, it's just been a part of my everyday life for basically my whole life. Some nights I stay up trying to find my contacts, forgetting my eyes are perfect now because I got LASIK. And one of the reasons that convinced me to get LASIK, this is not, we're not sponsored by any one LASIK company at all, okay? I'm just saying, my personal experience is uh, there was a small earthquake in Utah during 2020. Okay. And... I have anxiety, and I'm just thinking, like, okay, so my eyesight, so bad. So bad. Can't, like, can barely see a foot in front of my face. Can maybe see four inches in front of my face. That's how bad my eyesight was. And I was like, if it's the middle of the night and we have a legit earthquake and my glasses get broken, like... So you're thinking about that one Twilight Zone episode. I hate that one. (laughs) This isn't fair. There was time. It's this guy who, like super thick uh, glasses and he's very henpecked and beleaguered and put upon by every single person in his life. He ends up being the only person to survive a like world ending cataclysm. Probably like an 
nuclear attack. Mm -hmm. And he, the first thing he does in the apocalypse is he goes to the old bookstore and he stacks up every single book he's always wanted to read. And just before the episode ends, he trips and he breaks his glasses and his eyesight is so bad he now can't read. And so he like has all the time in the world but not the ability to That's do it. That's hell. And so it, the episode just ends with him saying, it isn't fair. There was time. There was finally time. And uh, that is what Emily's afraid of. It really is. All of this to say that I, not that I empathize with Renorin, but just like the idea of trying to walk around without being able to see actually strikes fear into my heart. And so... He's very dedicated to his cause. I'm very impressed with Renarin, but also want to be like, oh, buddy. It makes me feel really bad that he's trying to change himself mm-hmm. into what everyone around him sees as, quote unquote, normal Ideal. or acceptable. Yeah. Ideal, yeah, yeah. How long has Adolin been training to fight and be a warrior? I feel like forever. Since he was six years Since old. Since he was six years old. And Renarin's brand new at it. Mm-hmm. Brand new. Uh, let's talk about Adolin's best friend. <laughs> I got super high school jock vibes from this right? dude. Where he's like, yeah, 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 you vote for me for president and I'll come to your chess match. <laughs> like, for sure I'll do that. It's it's more like Adolin used to be one of the popular kids, but then he started hanging out with, like, the nerds, mm-hmm. and now the popular kids are like, oh, yeah, no, we're definitely still friends. But Adolin's asking Yakimov on advice for how to get other people to duel him, mm-hmm. and Yakimov points him in the way of, like, a, a someone who would, would be likely. Um, because isn't it true that this other, this third person they're talking about has been trying to get other people to not fight Adolin so that when Adolin... Uh, Sadius has been paying people to not fight Adolin. Oh, that jerk. Um, but yeah, like, all these people... Adolin's like, I don't understand it. I think this was the last thing. He's like, I don't understand it. Back when I, like, I wasn't dueling, people would, like, challenge me all the time. And now that I'm back, none of them want to do it. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they were bigger than their britches. But, um... Oh, I see. There have been certain... Inducements going around, Yakimov admitted. Promises made to shard bears if they refused you. And Adolin just knows immediately. Sadius. Ugh, of course. Because here's the thing. I bet Sadius understands what Adolin is trying to do. Uh, yeah. Sadius is a sneaky, conniving bleepity bleep. <laughs> yep. That is, yep, that's, that is true. Uh, but he says, did Adolin have any true friends Anyone who would actually stand by him when things were difficult. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, Yakimov, I know we haven't been hanging out much since, like, my father's fallen out of favor. But, you know, maybe we could, you know, that won't last forever. And so we should hang out. And Yakimov's like, yeah, since it won't last forever, let's hang out after your father's back in favor. Mm -hmm. Adolin's like, you cut me deep, Shrek. (laughs) You (laughs) cut cut me me real real deep. deep. (laughs) But, I mean, I see it's sad. I still think Yakimov, okay. Here's the thing. It's the whole, like, man versus society, and do you fit into society, or do you go into the forest and make your own way, and blah, blah, blah. Everything you talk about in, you know, literature classes. And I just... uh, It's a tricky tricky situation because, yes, anyone can 
make their own choices and choose... Anyone can cook. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can choose to follow the crowd or not. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, like, you have to make decisions that are good for you in the moment, too. Mm -hmm. And so... It's hard to blame people for, I don't like the decision that you made here. I wanted you to make a different decision. Well, too flippin' bad. It's their decision. Did you have anything you wanted to say about... No. About society? No. All right. We're going to jump... Oh! Oh, 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 Megan, Camille, why do you do that to me? This is important to you. <laughs> I can't. Well, I know something that will revive you. Can't believe we didn't talk about how Adolin feels about his engagement. Oh, I can't believe we forgot about that too. Guess the scare was worth it. <laughs> Sorry, you're so delicate. You're so. It's close a good to thing me. you're so pretty. <laughs> you're so close to me when you yell so loud. I did not yell. Listeners, write in. I, I want to know. Ooh, and then you went. And swooned. <laughs> oh, What's so Yakimov is, is it like in... it's in feather. Yakimov is like, I can't believe you are going into an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn's like, oh, it's just a causal. Like it's not the whole thing yet. But Emily, what are Adolin's thoughts on this rando girl he's never met before? He's just like, well, it might not even get that far. Like the ship has been delayed. Like this Two is weeks. yeah, it's not a for sure thing. But it's really funny because I feel like he acts in this the way I might react because I uh-huh. hate people telling me what to do. Yeah. Like, you suggest, well, why don't you do it this way? Even if I was going to do it, immediately, absolutely not. I will not do it. He talks about how part of him had wanted to push back simply because he resisted being subject to Yasna's manipulation. But then his recent track record wasn't anything to boast of. So he's almost relieved. Like, he's... He's annoyed, but he's relieved, which makes sense to me as, Mm -hmm. you know, we're both single (laughs) and we've had so many conversations sometimes where we're like, if I could just get someone to pick for me, I would just make it work, you know? Uh Um, So I get where he's coming from where it would be like, no, it's my life. I want to do it. But then at the same time, sometimes it's like, eh, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) Nice. You're right. We didn't talk about that, so... Uh, poor Adolin. Poor Adolin. At least he's got his cool brother. Uh, we're going to talk about short little flashback. Which was troubling. Yep. Yeah, it is a flashback to Shalon's youth past. Yeah, and we find out several things that are very alarming. She is still dissociating and, yep. like, loses track of time and can't figure out what's going on, sort of. Um, there's a lot of fighting going on in the house. Uh, Balot is starting fires. <laughs> That's two of the three. <laughs> and if Balot starts wetting the bed, then we're in trouble. Then we're in trouble. Um, and she's talking to, well, she's not talking to her brother, her fourth brother, Von Yushu. Or I don't know if it's Van Yushu or Von Yushu, but it's V-A-N. Okay. And he's the one that's, like, realizing, he's just like, I'm only the fourth brother. I'm not strong enough to, like, work this, like, keep this family together. He's like, you're losing time. Our other brother is starting fires. Our other brother's off doing whatever. Like, 
there's just... Yeah, so this is about a year after their mother died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their mother was killed. Yeah, yeah. And Shalon is... Can you not do that? Bitches. If, if, oh, well, you can do it. Just wait till I... Listen to how dry my skin is! <laughs> that is not it. There's some sort of dinner, some sort of feast, mm-hmm. uh, where she's late for it, and she, you know, but we get a little thing that Father holds these regularly now, and uh, Yushu is just like, he'll obviously have a new dress for you and nothing for me but curses. Um, and this brother is very upset that their older brother, Halaran, Helaran, is the only one that matters. Yeah. He's really jealous. Even though Helaran is like... Never there. Pulled, yeah, and pulled a sword on their dad and like vanished. Dad still... Still values Helloran more than he does his other sons. Yep. Like I said, this is a very short chapter. We're just kind of getting a glimpse into how awful House Devar, like, it is. And mm-hmm. how everything's going downhill. But this is very interesting because uh, they pass Father's chambers. The door is slightly open. And there's a glowing strong box. And it's behind a, a painting. I kind of want to read this bit. Okay. They passed Father's chamber. The heavy stumpweight door was open a crack as a maid tidied the room, allowing Shalon to see the far wall and the glowing strong box. It was hidden behind a painting of a storm at sea that did nothing to dim the powerful white glow. Right through the canvas, she saw the outline of the strong box blazing like a fire. She stumbled, pulling to a stop. What are you staring at? Yushu demanded, holding to the banister. The light. What light? behind the painting he squinted lurching forward what in the halls are you talking about girl it really did ruin your mind didn't it watching him kill mother yushu pulled away from her cursing softly to himself i'm the only one in this family who hasn't gone crazy the only storming one shallan stared into that light there hid a monster there hid mother's soul hey emily hey what's in the box I think it's a spren. Okay. I think that's... Uh, oh, that's interesting. I think that's what it is. I don't know what kind of spren. I don't know if this is where Pattern shows up. I don't know. Because we know that he's seen Shallan before this. Mm-hmm. We we do have people in the book, like people like Rock. Some can see more spren often than others. Or spren can choose who they reveal themselves to. Mm-hmm. So there you go, folks. Spren mm-hmm. in a box. Uh, but what is, uh, just one, one thing to mention, what's missing from Yushu's outfit? His cufflinks. And buttons, or just yeah, cufflinks? Yeah, his belt buckle, like anything yeah. worth any sort of value. Because what's his problem? Gambling. And he's like, I don't have a problem. It's funny yeah. how, like, <laughs> so when we were in non-Balot's head in the first book, he's like, yeah, I do this thing, but it's not like a problem. Yeah. And yeah. Shalom's like, yeah, I stare at the wall for... Who knows how long? I don't even notice. But it's not a problem. And I think all the Devars are in a bit of denial. <laughs> but let's move on to Boots. Okay. Epigraph, I don't please? even want to talk about the, the, the chapter. I just want to get to the end of the chapter because that's the best part of the whole thing. But we'll get there. Well, we got to start at the beginning. Give all me right. the epigraph. It says, The betrayal of Spren has brought us here. They gave their surges to human heirs, but not to those who know them most dear before us. 
Tis no surprise we turned away unto the gods, we spent our days, and to become their molding clay, they changed us. From the Listener Song of Secrets, 40th stanza. So I feel like this single stanza has given us the absolutely most information we've gotten from anything else. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So the listeners were betrayed by Spren, Mm -hmm. even though the listeners feel that they understood the Spren the most. Um, And they went back to the gods. So the gods worked their magic on them and changed them instead of using Spren. Maybe. That's that's a very good reading of it. Thank you. I went to English school. (laughs) So we know that the... Listeners need to use a spread in order to change forms. Right. And so, so they go, so they, they don't want their gods to come back. So they've rejected their gods and instead use the spread to transform. Yeah. So in just, just like 20 minutes ago in our podcast, we were like, what came first? Radiance or the forms? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the forms came first. Mm-hmm. And then the spread betrayed the listeners and went to hang out with humans instead. So... So forms predate radiance. Yeah. And after the loss of the spren, the part listeners, and after the loss of the spren, the listeners turned to their gods who changed them and molded them. And that ended up not being such a great deal for the listeners. Nope. Hey, isn't that cool? Aren't the epigraphs great? And I love how, like, in the first book, we're like, what are these epigraphs? What are these poems about? Is it a letter? I don't know. And now in the second book, we're like super reading carefully all the upper crafts and putting together the red yarn puzzle pieces yeah yeah that's what i do when i read this book i am giving i'm (laughs) handing you the yarn i'm handing you the pins and listeners can't see but a lot of times i'm like frantically pointing at the board where they need to go all right tell me about the beginning of this chapter what is shalon doing (laughs) shalon is getting elocution lessons from writing in space <laughs> mainly and it's it's fun it's a fun thing like she is tin is teaching her basically how to be a successful con person because in order to become a new person you need certain skills like you can't just pretend to be royalty without understanding the intricacies of the court and you can't pretend to be from a specific a specific part of town if you don't have the right accent. Tin is trying to get Shalon to perfect this Bav accent. And she's kind of like, I don't understand why I need to know this. Why do I need to pretend to be unimportant? Yes. Don't I need to learn how to be like a fancier person? Which is what's been working for her so far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tin explains, being unimportant is important. Being important is useless. Got it. And Tin's trying to help help, uh, Shalon understand that if, if you're someone who is not important and people aren't going to give you a second glance, you can go anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's it's impossible to explain almost, like, the value of mm-hmm. the underbelly of the world sort of a thing. Right. Like, there's there are times where you want everyone to pay attention to you, and there are times where you don't want people to, like, give you a second glance. Mm-hmm. But um, Shalon is just like, but I'm a light eyes. Like, I can't pass for a nobody. And Tin pulls out uh, LASIK. <laughs> That's not what LASIK does. <laughs> okay. Sorry, she pulls out a multi-plane camera. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls out the Wizard of Oz magic. 
can you even dye my eyes to match my gown? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jolly old town. Um, but there's a, there's a small vial with some dark liquid, and she's like, these are eye drops that will turn your eyes dark for a few hours. And Shalon's just like, is there the opposite? Like, can you turn it lighter? And Tin's like, not unless you believe in, like, the shard blade thing that says it'll turn your eyes lighter. Because Tin is a light eyes. She has light yellow eyes. But um, when Shalon first met her, she's like, I don't remember if that's important, like, where Tin is from or not. Because the light eyes, dark eyes split is not important in every country. Yeah. I wanted to bring up a thought I had about this. Okay. Because they're talking about Tin's background and how she's a thief and... And how you just learned that, like, things come and go or whatever. But she says, you take some things, but then you'll lose them. Just like the job I pulled down south, my team never returned from their mission. I'm half convinced they ran off without being paid. It happens. No need to get worked up. And then Shalon's like, what is it? And Tin goes on to say, it was a big job, Tin said. Important for the kinds of people who make things change in the world. I haven't heard back from the ones who hired us. Maybe my men didn't run off. Maybe they just failed. I don't know for certain. I think they're the ones that took down Yasna and Shalon's crew. Okay. I think that's why they haven't come back is because Shalon murdered them. So you're saying that Shalon taking down the boat was a good move. No. You murder is wrong. I don't it know how many boat. times I have to tell you this, Megan. Boats aren't worth more than human lives. I know that is not what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is you can't call what she did to the boat murder because the boat was not a person. No, the boat definitely got murdered. The spirit of the boat got murdered. Okay. And in turn, other people died as well because Shalon panicked. I'm not saying that got me all Sorry. I don't know what I'm Sorry. Well, no, let's let's jump on your cool theory that Tin Tin's people were the ones that attacked the boat and took him down. What happens when Tin and Shalon find out who the other person really is? I think it's going to be a race to who can be the better con and who has the better reflexes. Not like draw guns and shoot at each other sort uh-huh. of a thing, but who can <laughs> Shalon shot first. <laughs> But who can turn it to their advantage the quickest and the fastest? Who can make the right kind of allies uh, before before it all comes to a head? Okay, so let's say it all comes to a head. Is this something that... When, when, when would you like in the book for this to be true? Like here out on the plains, after they get to the Shattered Plains and the war camps, like... When do you think is the juiciest possible time for this to come true? Probably when they're in the war camps because Shalon's true... Well, she kind of messes things up, but we'll get to that. I feel like Shalon's true nature is going to be revealed. Tin's going to realize, oh my gosh, she's from the ship. It's like she she was not pulling a con. Yeah, yeah. She literally is who she says and... I think Tin is going to try and use Shalon to get ahead for her own personal gain. Okay. I don't think she would go after Shalon and, like, murder her as, like, revenge or whatever. Okay. Because Tin seems to be sort of the person that, like, water goes, like, just things happen. Water off a Tin's back. Yes. <laughs> if it looks like a Tin, it quacks like a Tin. <laughs> um, but I think that Tin will probably use Shalon as some sort of jumping off point because... Tin 
is very flippant about this here, but if she's invested in the kind with the kind of people who are trying to change the course of the world uh-huh. and Shallan's the one that messed it up, or Shallan would be a very valuable piece mm-hmm. in order to like make stuff happen. I think they're gonna end up being not enemies, but definitely like on like oh, opposite sides. Like like Captain Mal and Saffron. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is gonna be their their dynamic. And so their friends out here, they find out the truth and they like split, but they they keep seeing each other on, on the battlefield or <laughs> over the debate table. And yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, she's back. Yeah, yeah. I would read that book. Thank you. How about that book? I hope we read that book. Uh, one fun thing that I wanted to point out was she's asking Shalon, like, what accents can you do? And Shalon's like, I can do a rural Vaden accent. And Tin's like, that's actually kind of useless because no one who's not from Yaakoved can tell your accents apart. And so it'd be like someone saying, oh, yeah, I can do a... Midwestern. Yeah. <laughs> From Minnesota versus South Dakota or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to do Minnesota versus Canadian. And someone's like, okay, that's useless, actually. <laughs> Corporate says they're the same picture. <laughs> Have you ever watched Letter Kenny? No. Okay, it's about this small particular town in Canada that has a very distinct accent and cadence. Okay. Um, another good example of this is Derry. Uh, mm-hmm. Dairy Girls. Yes. Uh, because the dairy accent is very specific and particular from uh, like a generalized Irish accent. Okay. Which, did you know it comes up in elementary? No. You know Sherlock's friend Alistair? Yes. Who's his accent buddy? Yeah, he's the, the actor. Yeah, there's actually an episode where Sherlock is listening to a tape of Alistair and saying this is particularly a dairy Ireland accent. <laughs> That's awesome. Now we get to the good stuff. Now we get to the good stuff. That's the good stuff. It was so weird. It was so weird because, friends, what happens in this chapter is that Shalon runs into Kaladin and his buddies who are practicing on horseback, circling like the the edge of the camp. Far wide perimeter. So they're still like some distance from the shattered plains. And like the caravan travels much more slowly, but they're getting closer. It was so strange because it takes a minute because she really gets into this. Uh, Tin Tin basically introduces her. She's like, how's your horn eater? And Shalon's like, what? Because we know horn eaters are gingers. Yeah. And she introduces her as this horn eater princess. Did you want to try and say the name? Yes. And in fact, I kind of want to just read this whole scene. Okay. Do you want to be Kaladin or Shalon? Uh, I'll be Kaladin. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna try and do the thing first where, uh, Her Highness, Tin announced in a large, loud voice, gesturing towards Shalon, Princess Unolukua Kakina Atui Atai, you are in the presence of royalty, Dark Eyes. <laughs> so, we are going to perform this scene for you. Emily's going to be Kaladin, and I'm going to be Tin and Shalon. Okay. And so we're not going to read the, the in-betweens. We are just going to do the dialogue parts. A horn eater wearing a Voran dress. Rock would have a fit. This thing, he is not what you have a princess wear. He is good for me. You will be respect. I'm sorry. Seven wagons, Cal. Well guarded. I've been sent to look for signs of bandits. 
Has all been well with your caravan? We ran into some bandits three weeks ago. Why do you care? We represent the king and are from the personal guard of Dalinar Colin. Brylord Colin is investigating the possibility of a wider range of control around the Shattered Plains. If you really were attacked, I would like to know the details. If we were attacked? You doubt our word? No. I'm offended! You'd better watch yourself. Her Highness does not like to be offended. How surprising. Where did the attack take place? You fought it off? How many bandits were there? Tin fills in the details. La, 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 la. <laughs> I am sorry to hear of your losses, but you're only a day and a half by caravan from the Shattered Plains now. You should be safe the rest of the way. I am curiosity. These animals, they are horses, yet you are dark-eyed. This Colleen trusts you well. I do my duty. Where are the rest of your people? The caravan looks as if it's all Vorin. Also, you look a little spindly for a horn eater. Did you just insult the princess's weight? I am offended! You have offended her highness again. Very offended! You'd better apologize. No apologize! Boots! B- boots? Yes, I am liking your boots. You will apology with boots. You want my boots? Did you not hear her highness? Are soldiers of this Dalinor Kalin's army so disrespectful? I'm not disrespectful, but I'm not giving her my boots. You insult! I will tell all who are to listen. When arriving, I will say, Colin is stealer of boots and taker of women's virtue. Virtue? The... Yes. The... No. Wrong word. Virtue... No. Vester! Vester! Taker of women's vester! This is what I wanted. It's no matter. All will know what you have done in wronging me. You have laid me bare here in this wilderness, stripping me. It's an insult to my house and my clan. All will know that this Oh, woman... stop, stop. Stormy woman. Your apology is accepted. By damnation, it had better be. I'll pass along your story. Maybe we can get the storming place patrolled. Come on, men. Hey, that was pretty good. I feel like I did like 10 different accents. I was trying to do Russian. It worked really, really well. So here's the thing is, as fun as it was to do this and to pull this off, Shalon is trying to convince the Colins of who she is that she's a... Okay, I'm not going to say shot herself in the foot, but... I think it would work if they could say we didn't know who we could trust. We mm-hmm. were pretending to be someone else just to keep our cover sort of a thing. And it's a fun intro to Shalon and Kaladin. But I also feel like Kaladin's not going to see her as trustworthy either. Yeah. Like. She, she took his boots. She literally lied to him and stole his boots. And like, listen, because it's Kaladin, because it's our main character, it's funny. It's so funny. But like. If this wasn't Kaladin, if this was just, like, some random person we didn't know, and she just steals the dude's boots. boots. Hey, It's not very nice. <laughs> I feel that she'll give them back. I feel like she'll she'll gift them back to him mm-hmm. and make him feel that she is doing him a favor. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, another, another short, fun chapter. We had some, like, really funny chapters this round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monsters and Boots. That's, that's kind of it for this round. We gotta talk about the heralds and do a song. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about the heralds for this week. So, for monsters, 
We're gonna we're gonna test your heraldic knowledge. I know this one is Yezrian with the crown. Nice. And Shalash? Uh close. That's Chach. Chach. So Chach is a woman with a helmet. Okay. Chach is This is chapter twenty five. I think we said yeah, that. Yeah, this but. is chapter twenty five. So Yezrian is leadership and protection. Chach is courage and obedience. Which I feel like Kaladin really embodied courage and obedience by learning how to ride a horse. Yeah, except for when he's like, look at me, I can ride Dreamstorm. I'm so <laughs> special. Uh, and then for chapter 26, um, some we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, I was about to say, this looks like a young boy and it looks like Storm from the X-Men. Okay, so the boy with um, Troy Bolton hair mm-hmm. is Kalak. Okay. And the woman is Palaya. So Kalak, who's about resolute and a builder, um, and Palaya is learned and giving. Um, I can't remember who Kalak is the herald for, but Palaya is the patron of a order of ra- radiance called Truth Watchers. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, Emily, why... Uh, what in the Adolin chapter do you think coordinated with resolute or building? Um, because they meet Eshenai, and I think this is the beginning of building a, uh, not a friendship, but like a trust, a, a bridge to mm-hmm. peace. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of building to get there. Uh-huh. And then Palaya is about being learned and giving. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, you need a giving heart to, to build peace. Um, Shalon's chapter has just the same radiant, sorry, the same herald twice. And I'll give you a hint. It's, it's Shalash. It's Shalash. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It is Shalash. <laughs> Which I don't think we mentioned that Helleran has come back a few more times and he brings Shalon more art supplies every time he does. Ooh. And she's almost used up. She's almost out of her paper. Yeah. And now Boots. We've got a, a dude with a big helmet. We've talked about him. I can't remember. But it's also Shalash. And I think that that's great. Hey, look at you. Because I just saw her five seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talenalat. Talenalat. Talm is the, the warlike dude with the helmet. Got it. Because. They finally beat. They fu- literally that. Because <laughs> Talon is like the soldier guy. And then Shalash is the creative one. And oh my gosh. Can, we, can you. I, I feel like we just jumped to it because it was funny. But. Shalana Kaladin have they met. They met. Oh my gosh. In, in a, I'm going to say, anticlimactic way. Because we get Kaladin and Adolin and Dalinar meeting on the battlefield in the middle of this adrenaline going, you know, uh, hour 11 meeting where, you know, Kaladin gets to be the hero and rush in and rescue everybody and prove how cool he is and how, you know, needed he is. And then you just have like this happenstance, which I loved it. I'm not yeah. saying like, oh, it's just this. I loved this low key, just like two ships passing in the night sort of a thing where they're not even in each other's company for longer than 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And Shalon just takes his boots. And it's the the comedy of that scene comes from how much we already know about each of the characters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so we are going to cover four chapters again next week because okay. uh, it is going to only be 30 pages. Emily, we're covering chapter 29, Rule of Blood, okay. which is a saddiest chapter. <gasps> All right. We are covering 30, Nature Blushing, 31, The Stillness Before, and chapter 32, The One Who Hates. <gasps> um, we have a song for this week's chapter. Okay. Reading. I actually mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh-huh. and it is the song Get Off of My Back Yay! from Spirit Sign of the Cimarron <laughs> in the scene where all of the men in the U.S. Army are trying to ride the horse and he keeps them all off. <laughs> Love it. So uh, definitely listen to it on our playlist, but you should also look up that clip of the show and watch it because I'm like, that is if Kaladin was a horse. <laughs> all right. Well, Emily, I'm going to get back to cross-stitching. I'm going to get back to sleeping and getting over COVID. That sounds like a great plan, and you can do it. Do you want to know why? Why? I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready? Ready? Break! Still bed at this hour. I'm editing our podcast. How dare you? And yes, I'm editing while lying on my bed, so there's terrible sound quality. How are you? Well, everyone, this was another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm sorry. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, for our intro and outro. Uh, if you want to catch more of us, find us on all different kinds of social media at Sis Made Me View It. What else do I say at the end? That we love all of our listeners. We love all of our listeners and hope you have good times. And come listen to our other podcasts. Oh, yeah. We talk about Roswell. And so far, we talked about Our Flag Means Death, Friend of the Pod Ted, and his wife Jenny just listened to Our Flag Means Death this week. So, Thank you, friends of the pod, Ted and Jenny. Uh, I think that's it. Bye.